Welcome to the Funeral Fact Podcast. Our goal is to lift the veil of mystery from funeral customs and traditions for our listeners around the globe. I'm your host, Jeff Casper, and before we get started with today's program, I wanted to welcome our new subscribers in the United States, Canada, Europe, Australia, and Asia. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're growing by leaps and bounds, and you can help even more people find us by subscribing and leaving us a review in iTunes, Apple Podcast, or the Google Play Music Store. You can subscribe with just a click on our website, funeralfact.com. Today we're going to be exploring Jewish funeral customs, traditions, and beliefs. Joining us today is Rabbi Jonathan Singer, who is the Senior Rabbi of Congregation Emmanuel in San Francisco, California. Welcome, Rabbi Jonathan. It's my pleasure to be here and engage with your listeners. Well, it's, it's great to have you. And um, before we, we went uh, to record the podcast, you were speaking that you actually were, were married to another rabbi. And I'm just curious, the path that brought you to becoming a rabbi. Uh, if you would share right, with so us. Right, so I have to clarify that I am the co-senior rabbi of Congregation oh. Emmanuel. My wife and I together are the senior rabbis. And we became rabbis because we wanted to bring what we felt was the beauty of Judaism uh, to uh, 21st century Jews. And that uh, we represent the Reform Movement, which uh, engages modernity and engages uh, the uh, the jewels of Judaism, and brings them to people uh, to help it be meaningful in their lives today and help them also uh, share and empower this tradition that asks us to see all existence as holy. Well, I have to tell you, I, in doing research for this episode, uh, stopped by um, uh, Congre- Congregation Emmanuel's website, and it is very dynamic, very... Um, I, I just, it made me feel like there was just a lot going on there. And so that uh, was one of the things that I really found attractive um, in, in trying to get an interview with you. So I, congratulations on that as well. Well, well we're really uh, influenced by a professor named Mordechai Kaplan, who argued that Judaism is not a religion, that at times Jews try to fit themselves into the greater cultural context by saying, a Protestant, Catholic, and Jew, that we're all the same, we just pray a little differently, but that Judaism really is a religious civilization, and that one can uh, come to a synagogue and not be particularly religious or spiritual, but seek uh, social justice connection or a sense of community, and that, that's a valid way of, of coming. So synagogue really reflects that civilizational perspective and not simply a religious perspective, and that's why we have so much going on. Well, can you share with us some of the uh, uh, beliefs of the Jewish faith on, on death itself? You know, death is a topic that so many people uh, want to try to avoid, and yet uh, <laughs> Judaism teaches us that, uh, that it is so much a part of, of life. And if we see life as, as a journey, and, and death is one step upon the, uh, along the way, uh, it's something to think about, not just in terms of the person who died, but in terms of those who are, are mourners, in terms of those who are the community that are the supporters of the mourners, and also in terms of how we live on and help establish good works after our lives and, and the good that we leave behind so that the community can flourish. Now, uh, 
Do, does the Jewish belief uh, have something that would be similar to Christianity's heaven, or uh, what? Or you know, Buddhism believes that you are recycled in in uh, I think it's forty one days, um, something like that. Or do they believe that that's kind of the end uh, when you pass away? Well, you know, it's hard for me because I'm a rabbi in San Francisco to not think <laughs> that I'm already in heaven by living here <laughs> in this glorious uh, place. Uh, but, you know, Judaism, you know, when you open up a, a, a piece of, of the Bible that we study weekly, uh, you'll see around it different commentaries that reflect different perspectives. And while Judaism argues that we believe in, in one God, for example, or, or we can question God's existence, uh, when it comes to afterlife and, and how we think about the world to come, which in Hebrew we call Olam Haba, there are multiple perspectives. Uh, because uh, the tradition focuses very much on how do we live in this world and, and really sees um, what we leave behind in this world uh, as something that helps build up the world to come in life itself, but, but offers optional perspectives about what might be uh, afterwards. There are those who talk about Olam Haba, who believe that there's a world to come, and some really believe that that's a, a heaven that is manifest, that one, one gets into that's not dissimilar to certain uh, Western Christian perspectives. There are others that believe that actually uh, that Olam Haba, that world, is coming, and it's not until the Messianic period that, that, that one realizes that, that, that new level. And so, in a sense, burial, then, is a temporary construct uh, waiting for a time where uh, in the Messianic period, there actually will be a revival of the dead, so to speak, uh, and, and, and that uh, the souls will join together at, as one. There are those who believe that we, we live on, as I said earlier, in the, in the good that we do, that, that this world is all connected. And, uh, and so um, by doing good now, my memory lives on in the future, and that, that whether you have children or not, your presence in the society and the gifts that you bring it, keep giving. There's even a teaching that says when you're planting a tree, and if it's announced that the Messiah has come, you keep planting the tree. You keep thinking and paying it forward. And finally, there are those who believe that, yeah, it's all about recycling, as you mentioned around the Buddhists, that, that if we do natural burial, which is really a Jewish custom, then that which we were uh, becomes part of it all and is renewed. Uh, and so Judaism doesn't take a, this is what you have to believe about the afterlife, although there are fewer beliefs around, uh, around the negative, around the notion of hell. Um, and that, that, that's not a really strong perspective in Jewish uh, eschatology. Interesting. I, I had a number of, of uh, well, I still have them, uh, friends uh, who were of the Jewish faith, and um, in again, just normal conversations would come up. Uh, one of them described their belief was that, you know, your soul basically went into a washing machine and came out clean and based on the good works that you did here. So very somewhat similar, little deviation. I don't, you didn't mention a washing machine, but I, I think that was his probably 14 year old interpretation of, of what he had <laughs> learned. And, um, now you had mentioned, um, uh, burial customs as far as, is there a time period when if someone who's Jewish passes away that they need to be buried by, uh, or can it be at the convenience of the family? 
Now, the interesting thing about Jewish practice is that it does try to give immediate attention to uh, the both the people who have had the loss and and the and the uh, the uh, the soul itself, the the vessel of the soul itself, the body, that it should be cared for right away, and burial should take place as soon as possible. And it argues that uh, when you have a loss, the mourner is not yet a mourner. They're in a, in a state of aninut, which means that they, they are actually responsible for the preparation of making the funeral arrangements, of, of contacting friends, of, of selecting the burial place. So then burial can take place as soon as possible, and once burial takes place, then they transfer into being the status of a mourner. Now, this practice may have come from um, the reality that, uh, that with degradation, it's unhealthy to wait to, uh, to bury somebody. But the Bible itself acknowledges that in the time of Joseph in the book of Genesis, they were aware of the possibility of embalming, and they really turned away from that. They really said, hey, bury that person, take care of your dead, so then you can focus on your own emotional self that sense of loss, that sense of transition, that sense of need for comfort. So take care of business, if you will, and then then you can begin taking care of your, your emotional needs, which would, would certainly... Right, not... it, it acknowledges that, it, it, for, for sure. And it says, go quickly to burial. So the most traditional Jews will try to bury the next day or a few days afterwards, and they only delay for... Um, relatives come from uh, places from afar, that they might come and, and, and be of comfort. In my experience in San Francisco, where I've been a rabbi now just for four years, um, San Francisco Jews kind of you know, take different approaches and often will wait and, and will have a memorial service later. But I think there really is um, some wisdom in that tradition that says deal with your loss where you are. Don't deny your pain, your sense of, of sadness, or, or being numb, and that, and that you need to um, work your way through this stage of life transition for the mourner, because it's a holy thing, and, and you're sensitive, and you're fragile, and you need that, that time and that help. Now, are there any specific directions or beliefs on uh, cremation, or, or does the Jewish faith pretty much dictate that you'd need to be buried? So interestingly, you know, it, we, we sometimes look at the Jewish past by just looking at the recent past and assuming that's how Jews have always done that. But when you look at uh, the history of burial and, and end-of-life practice in Judaism, uh, it's been a diverse practice. And so in the ancient Jewish world, uh, one would be buried in a uh, communal burial cave, and the body would decompose, and then the bones would be, you know, would be put together with the bones of your ancestors, so to speak. And so over time that changed and became in-ground burial. And I think today the idea that we um, uh, might op- be open to cremation, um, while it's challenging to more traditional Jews, I think does reflect uh, that uh, change in approach to, to funerals that the Jews have ultimately been open to, that there's been a change over time based on what makes most sense in the culture. Although I'm not sure that cremation makes the most sense today. I have noticed uh, that there are um, 
And to our listeners, if you can hear noise in the background, that's that's Hurley. He's my official studio mascot. And evidently, uh, someone who he knows has come by the, the studio to say hello. And they, they recognize the green I'm recording light, but uh, Hurley, not so much. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I've noticed that there are oftentimes either uh, different sections adjoining a cemetery uh, or even a separate cemetery itself for those of the Jewish faith. Right. There, there is a custom of being buried with the community. Or, and we, um, at, in our community, uh, do burials, and we do in the ground. We do uh, placement inside crypts. We do cremation remains placement as well in the ground or the crypt. And so uh, we're fairly uh, diverse and how we offer support to families and try to meet their needs uh, these days. Uh, But there is an idea of being buried in a Jewish cemetery or establishing a a cemetery space uh, that that reflects that Jewish custom that uh, is very common. All right, Rabbi Jonathan, we are up against a break, and and we'll continue our discussion on uh, the other side of it. Uh, Don't go away. We'll be right back in just a few moments. And don't forget to visit FuneralFact.com, where you can subscribe with just one click on iTunes or Google Play Music. And for information on how to contact our guest, see what's in store for upcoming episodes, and to give us feedback, as well as suggest ideas for future shows. We'll be right back. provides essential information, in-home care, and support for seniors living with Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia, and other disabling diseases. We spoke with renowned occupational therapist, Tipa Snow, about some of the myths surrounding Alzheimer's disease. Some of the myths about dementia and Alzheimer's is that people aren't trying and that maybe we should push them harder. There's a point at which the brain is dying, and so people are doing the best they can in that moment. What we could do is change how we go about it. Another myth is that it's all genetic. Not necessarily, lifestyle matters. How we live our life makes a difference. We also know that not everybody will get it. It's not something that for sure, as you age, you will develop. For more information on Senior Helpers, please visit us online at seniorhelpers.com. Senior Helpers is a member of the Alzheimer's Foundation of America. We're this close. We're this close. We are this close. Of wanting to making history. This close to changing the world. We're this close. This close. This close to making sure no child suffers a crippling disease. Ever again. This close. We are this close to ending polio. To ending polio. All we need is you. Is you. This close. If we donate now, we may lose this chance forever. Help Rotary make history at endpolionow.org. Moore's Mission Funeral Home asks, how do you want to be remembered? I'd like to be remembered as somebody who treated people with love and respect. I'd like to be remembered as someone who brought happiness to others. I'd like to be remembered as someone who made other people feel important. I want to be remembered as the sunshine gal who was a compassionate listener with unconditional love. 
I would like to be remembered as a loving husband and father. I'd like to be remembered as the one that was fun and loving. How would you like to be remembered? And who will tell your story? Start to tell your unique personal story by calling Moore's Mission Funeral Home in Concord at 925-682-1100. It's your story to tell. What will be said about you? Call Moore's Mission Funeral Home at 925-682-1100. Let us help tell your story. Licensed California Funeral Home, CAFD-873. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. We're back. Let's continue our conversation with Rabbi, Rabbi Jonathan, uh, who is a co-senior rabbi of Congregation Emmanuel in San Francisco, uh, California. Now, before we went to the break, we were, were talking about uh, some of the specific um, uh, Jewish burial customs and traditions. And you had mentioned um, natural burial. And I, I wondered what you meant by that. Well, I think the process that Jewish tradition developed over time is so beautiful. It says that when a person dies, uh, the first thing is that the body is taken and it's protected by people who care about uh, the, the, the loved one who is lost. The, the community establishes what's called the Hevra Kadisha, and they treat the body with respect. It's guarded, it's not abandoned, it's washed, and it's put in a, a cloth um, uh, a clothing, often called a kittle, and then it's prepared for burial. And traditional Jewish burial involves no chemicals, no embalming, and being placed uh, in America in a, in a plain pine box. That we argue that, that, that uh, wealth or uh, expressions of, 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 of honor should not be what one uh, goes out of the world with. But the one world should go, we should go to the world with a sense of simplicity and dignity. And so one is it's placed in that box, and then it's placed directly into the ground, usually without any kind of a, a liner, that one is not locked in to a um, permanent um, uh, pres- preservation unit, but one is allowed to then um, to dis- degrade and to go back into the world, in a sense, let your nutrients become part of, of existence again, which I think is a, a Jewish form of reincarnation. Interestingly, in the state of Israel, they don't even use pine boxes. They allow a person to just be buried in a cloth. And so when it comes to natural burial, what we're trying to do here, uh, what I did in Seattle, I'm trying to get going here in San Francisco at our synagogue, at, at our cemetery, which is very beautiful, called Home of Peace, is a section where you're buried in the ground, where there's not a metal marker or a stone marker, but in a sense you're helping create green space. 
and that there'll be a tree with your name on it, uh, and that you are, uh, are creating, as with loss of life, your last act is to create uh, a place of green, a place of solace, a place of hope for, for generations to come, as opposed to a monument to the self. And I, I, that certainly goes back to what you were saying earlier about the legacy that you leave and, and certainly leaving a tree or, uh, is, is, is something that a benefits the earth. And of course, but also, uh, it's much nicer than a, a marble mausoleum, if you will. Um, All right. I think the challenge for us in, in 21st century life for the whole world, is to go back to the uh, Garden of Eden story and understand that the, what I think the correct way to read it is not that we are masters of the earth, but that we're supposed to be caretakers of the earth. And as I learned in Boy Scouts, that you should leave a place better than when you found it. And I think this tradition and other traditions tries to guide us towards that value. I, I, I agree with you. Um... Now, once uh, is there a ceremony that takes place at the synagogue, or is that after the burial, or at the grave uh, graveyard itself? Or so very often, the first thing happens. I said is the Hevra Kedisha takes care of the body, mm-hmm. and then a ceremony either takes place at the at the synagogue, or at a uh, a, a funeral home or chapel, or at the graveside. And that, that there's the chance for people to gather and to really share stories that in the way we live on by the way people talk about us and what we remember about the good people did or about their challenges that you don't hold back and say, gee, um, you know, my loved one was great, but they could be challenging, uh, you know, but that we engage and try to take the best of them. And, we, and there's no fixed uh, approach to the Jewish funeral ceremony itself. Uh, people often use psalms and songs and then people sharing. And then there's a journey to, if you're not directly at the cemetery, a journey to the cemetery where people um, join together and, and actually engage in the burial. And so that we don't deny that death happened. We don't separate ourselves from this natural process in life. So much to the point that the last thing we do, which is considered the highest mitzvah, the greatest uh, fulfillment of a commandment that you can do for another person, is that we help place earth upon their grave. Uh, it's it's so hard because it's something that we do for someone else they can't do back for us. There's no payback that they can give give to us. That we we do it for them. We help sh- make sure that they were buried by people who cared about them and who knew them. Now, are the uh, services that you'd have would they be uh, conducted in English or in Hebrew or a mixture of the two? So our tradition teaches that services should be conducted both in Hebrew and the vernacular of the place. So here in America, you know, we have a lot of English, uh, but also Hebrew prayers that are very uplifting. We say, El Malei Rachamim, to uh, that uh, which is the eternal. We pray that you will wrap this loved one in the wings of the Shekhinah, in the wings of, of the angels. And so there is that idea that their souls are bound up in that notion, perhaps, of heaven but also that their memory lives on in us and the good that we do today. And the sharing is in English, and, 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 uh, and it's very powerful to have your friends be supportive and, and be there with you. The last act one does after that burial is you leave the cemetery, 
and do a prayer on the family for their own going forward. And, and you go back to your, their home, and, and as so often in Jewish ritual, you engage in a meal uh, and of comfort. And it's a way of saying to the loved ones who've suffered loss that we want you to... Hi, Poocher. <laughs> yeah, I'm hearing an amen back there. Uh, that that they you, should yeah. <laughs> be back in life. That they should be in life and that we're there to be with them. And we have an evening service at the home, which helps them say, cottage the prayer of loss. That's, uh, that's called a Shiva minion. It's a place to sit and just be together. Sometimes for a week, people engage in what's called Shiva, that acknowledging that they're fragile, that they've had loss, that they can't just go right back into life, right back into business, right back into love but that we're around them and we're supporting them with our love and our caring. And I think that's so important because oftentimes people almost want to push off the whole grieving process and just continue on with life like nothing happened. And, and it is important to grieve and recognize that certainly physically there's a, going to be a change in that relationship with your loved one. I think that's really important for our culture in general to not look at ourselves as machines, but that we are emotional beings. And so when you're at an office or a job somewhere, and one of your colleagues has had a loss, to give them space to acknowledge that they're going through something, and, and they may not be the most efficient person for you right away. But the fact that you're there and supportive for them, boy, from a business standpoint, uh, that will certainly pay off and return in terms of loyalty and, and acknowledgement of your caring. That these are people, that we're all holy beings. And we're all somewhere else along the life cycle. Some of your office can have a loss. Some in your office can have a teenager that's giving them a hard time. Somebody who can just have had a, a baby. Uh, but if we as a culture focus less on, uh, on, on immediate bottom line performance, but on, on the engagement with each other in a journey, I think we'll be in a much better place. Well, also, I think that having that empathy bonds uh, that person who's going through that loss to the, the, the boss or the, the colleague or the other person in their community. Um, because, you know, you at that point, I think many people feel very fragile and uh, don't don't have a direction, you know, just are unsure what to do. Um, and, 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 we, had... and we kind of have the, the John Wayne, Clint Eastwood perspective about the self where we don't want to show our fragility. It's frightening at work to show that I might be an emotional person. Uh, and and that's, that's unfortunate. And I think that uh, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, all of these cultures, Buddhism, they, they ask us to stop and be aware of time and our own place and that we're, in, we're integrated beings, that we're in it all together. And this thing we call God uh, loves diversity and also loves us to live with awareness. And uh, those who argue that religion is a problem in the world, they don't understand the beauty. When you go back to why I became a rabbi, the beauty of religion and what it brings to life and meaning. And those who do bad things in religion's name, they're not religious people, they're people to seeking power. But these traditions, well, they, they have great examples of support and engagement, and not just for people of their own faiths, but for people of other faiths as well. 
The Bible begins with Abraham having to bury Sarah. It's the first loss of a Jewish person. And it's the people from the other cultures around him who support him and help him and are acknowledging his suffering and his fragility and stand with him. And I think that that's a symbol of how we, as a, a, a diverse society going forward, uh, can proceed. Well, Rabbi Jonathan, we are up against the clock. Believe it or not, I can't. it always amazes me how quickly our time together goes. I want to thank you uh, again for our listeners, Rabbi Jonathan Singer, who's the senior rabbi of Congregation Emmanuel in San Francisco, California. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to educate us. You'll find a link to Congregation Emmanuel's website, as well as all of our other guests at the funeralfact.com website where we have everything listed we'd love to hear from you please stop by give us your comments your feedback your ideas for new shows as well as of course subscribe and leave a review on itunes and the google play music store until next time this is jeff casper wishing you great days and good luck Proceeding broadcast is copyright 2017 Casper Media. All rights reserved.